0: Good evening. Grace and peace is ours through our Lord Jesus Christ. I will read again what we're calling the sermon text just so that you have that in mind, but it comes from what Pastor Darren just read to you. And I want you, as I read this, I want you to look for the incredible things that are here. You can see where I'm going with it, with the theme and parts. So just watch for this. And Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves for who is greater the one who's at the table or the one who serves it's always the one at the table right is it not the one who's at the table but i am among you as one who serves you are those who have stood by me in my trials and i confer on you a kingdom just as my father conferred one on me so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. I want to tell you about a family I know. See if you can guess if you know them too. The husband and father's name is Bob. Bob possesses tremendous strength and durability. He also has enhanced senses. He is married to Helen and they have three children together. Violet, Dash, and Jack. The family likes to wear red. Helen can stretch any part of her body up to 100 feet. She can even be as thin as one millimeter. She can also reshape her body in a variety of ways. Helen is also an experienced jet pilot from having a close friend who flew her around the world. Her sharp wit and superb espionage skills, as well as her experience as a superhero, make her an excellent tactician and leader. Bob and Helen have three children Violet is a junior high school teenager stuck at the crossroads between a girl and a woman. Violet desperately wants to be like everyone else, to blend in with normal people and not to stand out. Appropriately, her powers allow her to turn instantly invisible and to generate spherical force fields around herself to protect herself. And inside of that, she can even levitate herself. The interiors of the force field have an anti-gravitational effect. Her brother is Dash. He's a speedster. While he is only as strong as the average 10-year-old boy, he is able to have endless incidental high-speed collisions and crashes, which he endures without apparent injury. His speed allows him to run over water without sinking. And then there's infant son Jack, the youngest in the family, initially he was believed to be the only member of the family without superpowers, but now he manifests a, multiple, a multitude of superhuman abilities, most of which are types of shape-shifting. He has a fireproof and bulletproof blanket sleeper-like jumpsuit. He has infinite possibilities ahead of him in life. All right, who are we talking about? The Incredibles. Helen and Bob, Violet, Dash and Jack. That uh, Pixar comic strip really taps into, a, in a humorous way, a deep-seated desire that we all have to live life so large that maybe someday someone might erect a statue about us or talk about us for decades after we're gone. Maybe it isn't that big of a grandos, grandiose desire, but we all want to live a life in some way that's kind of incredible, or at least we fancy ourselves to do it. And you may think, no, I don't really want that, but I'll tell you then, you're already thinking you're kind of incredible about your humility because you've never thought those things before. Great person that you are. There was a study by none of a thousand high school and college students uh, about their opinion of themselves academically. They had already measured all of them with tests, and uh, they had established the median score in the middle. 650 of them thought they would be above the median. Ever since Adam and Eve wanted to be like God, we've been stricken with a desire in some way to be incredible or to be thought of as incredible. But there really only was one incredible person, Jesus Christ. His father said it more than once, but at his baptism he said, this one is incredible. In him I am well pleased. And now we come to Monday, Thursday, and for three years, three years he's shown how incredible he is. Much more than those that anyone in that family could do, right? Raising the dead miraculous feedings, healings, casting out demons, saying the fitly word every single time he opened his mouth, being afraid of no one and loving everyone, being the most incredible human being was everything God the Father ever intended anybody to be, Jesus Christ. Their incredible master has his 12 disciples around a table and he's being incredible by the way he's conducting himself. And we're going to look at it tonight. We're going to start with his incredible humility. So let's get into the text again. And, and, and it's, we're going to take the verses a little out of order. Uh, this verse 25 through 27 takes up what Jesus was saying after they had the argument over who was the greatest. And he says the Gentiles, when they set up their government, set it up, in their hearts so that they can have visible power and authority and they think if they ascend to a certain office think of the Roman Senate they are benefactors themselves you've arrived i sat with some church people from finland today at starbucks and uh the, they're, they're here because uh, the young man in his 30s, he and his wife are over at Gateway Community Church doing some leadership classes, but I met the dad on, the, on a plane coming back from Finland a couple of weeks ago, so they would to have coffee before he went back. This is what the, the young man said about their archbishop in their church. He said he can't be a stupid man. He's worked, he went like this, he's worked his way up through the channels of the church. Now, you know my position, I I serve as a bishop of a region of a very, we don't call it bishop of a very small church body, your body, your church body. And I'm thinking, I don't want to view myself as working my way up. I'm preaching about that tonight. They think they lord it over others. So Jesus says to the disciples, don't be like them. And I want you to focus on the incredible humility that he has. Look, look at what he says in verse 26. He said, You are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. He didn't say there shouldn't be rulers, but he said they should rule in a way that they're like servants. And then he says, Who is greater, the one who's at the table or the one who's serving? Is it not the one who is at the table? And then the word but. But I am among you as one who serves. You see what he's doing? He's hosting in another man's house the Passover meal and the, the, he's instituting the Lord's Supper and he's serving them. He's picking up the food and serving the rest. But really he knows that they know he should be sitting there being served. Remember the incredible man that they know he is? And so he says, isn't the one that's greater the one that's being served? But I'm the one serving. Do, he's thinking and saying, do you get what you're seeing? Now, do you remember from John's gospel what he had just done that night before they sat down at the table all together? He washed their feet like a servant, getting the dirt from between their toes. Incredible, right? I'm among you as one who serves, but I, you know and I know I should be the one being served. And he's not being sinfully egocentric. He's being factual. See, humility is not believing you're an idiot or you're lower than everybody else. Humility is placing yourself as a servant of everybody else, even if you honestly know what your gifts and abilities, talent is. And there's Jesus being the incredible human being, the only one the Father ever said, I'm well pleased with. And he says, I'm serving. Now that sets the bar, doesn't it? That sets the bar For all human beings, wash feet, do as I do. And then we've got Luke's text here. The whole evening is this multi-sensory educational project that has many dimensions that should teach any little schoolboy what life is about. But he said this thing about somebody betraying him. And it took them off guard. It shouldn't have. He said it earlier. And they started to have some self-doubt, and with their self-doubt, they had doubt of one another. So they said, he said, one of you is going to betray me. But the hand of the one that's going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go just as it has been decreed, humble. Woe to this man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves, which of them it might be. So see, if you read the other Gospels, they start off by saying, is "It is is it going to be me and you know me better than I know myself and I'm going to actually betray you and turn you over? But it, trans, it transitions into, if it's not me, then who is it? You've heard the old saying when two men or women sit up late at night gossiping about the whole world and solving half the problems, they say, me, uh, I think the whole world is foolish except me and thee, and sometimes I worry about thee. They're looking around the table going, he said it, somebody's going to do it. Well, I think it's Pastor Dan. I mean, he's the inexperienced guy that does weird things around here. It's Pastor Darren. Surely it's not me that would do it, right? I can think of reasons why it would be former Vicar Schoen. right? Or Vicar Praver, or one of you women, see, not, not me. And these guys have hung out together, lived together, been together. They're like siblings, and some of them are, you know. There's, there's some sibling groups. We let it all hang out when we live our life that close together. And so they let it all hang out there at the table, uh, it happens in very big moments. It happens. I'm going to tell you about one real, real quickly. Um, my mother was going to heaven, and we were singing to her, some of us. There's six kids standing around her bed. Actually, five. One was on his way. And so my sister and I wanted to just sing hymns. And finally, my mother's gasping for breath. Finally, my brother says to us, would you just stop? I want to talk to her. And I looked there and said, Mom... We do love each other. and We're bickering right here as you're about to go to heaven, but we do love each other. She was gone in about 20 minutes. It happens that we think we know best. So they did that. Incredible pride. It's, it's not me, but you know, I could see how it could be James. And they started to argue. It says the next line. They argued over who of them was, was the greatest. I would never do it because of this or that. What incredible pride. And when you argue as a couple in a marriage, you start off thinking you're just kind of clarifying your case. <laughs> and then you end up comparing. And then you compare some more. And then you compare some more. And this comparing you've been doing in your head for a long time and you vowed you'd never let it reach your lips, but under, you really needed it to make your case right you think you're the greatest right i'm convinced you know on staff i've been here 25 years i'm the greatest how does that sit with you molly not well right no darren's the greatest because he's he's got years of experience but he brought fresh eyes from a big church he's done big church before no dan's the greatest oh come on we all suffer with this idea internally that me sometimes worries about thee. And you do it at work, and family. And you know what the truth is? Sometimes the person in your mind and heart that you have thought for years is the weakest link in your entire family clan has something going on with God a lot better than you do in some areas. And all you need is Jesus to come strip you naked and reveal your thoughts to you and say, I'm sitting at the table as one that should be served, and there's not one of you serving me. I'm serving you. Incredible humility, incredible pride. Which is what makes me love Maundy Thursday so much, and you too, because there's incredible grace in Maundy Thursday. You remember when Darren was using his introductory thoughts and he said there's a lot going on in your life. There's a lot going on in those disciples' lives. He he pointed that out, right? There's someone planning a betrayal. There's someone who's doesn't understand himself, Peter, he's gonna deny he knows them. They're all gonna fall away. But they're also got all this feeling about who's the greatest and who's not. And James and John remember way back and they were doing the with their mom, put us on one on the right and one on the left, and they've all got things about the Passover and about Jesus and about the kingdom, and there's all kinds of stuff going on. And Jesus should be having an emotional meltdown. And he does what he always planned to do that night. He starts something static. Do you know what I mean? He starts a static meal for the church that is a healing sedative for all souls that would believe in him for all times and would fix their problems between them and God and fix their problems between them and other, each other. He, he, he stays on task. You've been to one of those or you've heard about them. There's Thanksgiving or Christmas get-together that is a static, you know, it's the obligatory thing you have to attend and family, right? Easter, maybe, you got to attend, you got to be there for family, right? And Matt, Grandma, and Grandpa have made it a static thing. Mom and Dad has said these are our expectations, and everybody's going to be there, and we're going to try to make it the best it can be. And then you hear about these explosion. I'm leaving. One enters the next year. One enters the front door. Sibling heads out the back. Gets in the car. We're leaving. I didn't know they were coming. And the static meeting at Christmas is upset by the hurt feelings and the emotions all of that's going on here and jesus says i'm going to establish a static thing this is my body this is my blood it's a new covenant poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins he just got through talking about someone betraying him and going through this whole thing about who's the greatest and then he says This is for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Grace. Wow. And if they were listening, if they were believing what they were hearing, it was fixing all those hurts that they had. Here's another one. When you know somebody's up to something and they're trying to hurt you, you tend to want to either tell them off or run them off. (laughs) Or avoid them. You don't want to be around them. That's your conflict resolution default. It takes grace for Jesus to say, the hand of the person who's planning to turn me in is at dinner with me right now. He let Judas hang out with him, and he, knew, he knows all things. He knew what was happening. That's grace. Now I want you to look at the last verses again where he talks about a kingdom. Verse 28 and following. You've been listening long enough. Why don't you read these with me, okay? You are those who have stood by me in my trials... And I confer on you a kingdom, just as my Father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Really? He's going to let those men have the top twelve places in heaven? Are you kidding me? Stood by me in my trials, in a few hours they'll be sleeping while he's praying, and then they'll all run off. In Matthew 25, on Tuesday of Holy Week, Jesus said when he comes in all of his glory, he's going to say to the saints, I was naked, and you clothed me. I was in prison, you visited me. I was hungry, you fed me. Thirsty, you gave me drink. In prison, came to see me. All those things. And they're going to say, Lord, when did we see you? And he says, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. You know what is incredible about that? And it's the same here. He doesn't mention all the times they didn't go visit him and didn't feed him and didn't give him to drink by grace he completely forgets all those failures these guys are losers just like you and i are the truth is the thing we were born incredible at is being selfish we are we're incredibly good at it we're so good at it that we think everybody ought to figure out that we're right at it but we're not And Jesus, because of who he is, says, I forgive all that because you have faith. Just a little bit of faith. Remember he said the the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You're not perfect in your faith. I'm perfect for you, but you have some faith. And by grace, I cover up all your failures, and I will confer on you, those 12, a kingdom. Now, in in Revelation, it says we're all a kingdom of priests and princes and princesses. So we're all right there with them in heaven someday. Isn't that incredible? So how do we respond? Do something incredible with Jesus. Believe in Him and let Him change you. You know what's the easiest thing in the world? To be hurt. It's easy to be hurt. Just watch a baby. They're born with hurt feelings. They come out. It's easy to be a baby about anything. It's incredible to stop hurting Because you forgive somebody. It's incredible to stop beating yourself up because you believe that Jesus really does forgive you. That's what happened to Peter. The incredible thing happened. He forgave himself because Jesus forgave him for denying that he knew him. Judas was not incredible, he didn't believe it. But Peter, he became incredible in understanding grace. Do something incredible with Jesus and forgive other people and forgive yourself. Do something incredible and Pastor hinted at this at the beginning. Come to the Lord's Supper tonight and really let go of all the details of the chaos in your life and let the Lord's Supper fix your relationship with God and with anyone else that you would have ill feelings toward. Take the body and blood of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and let it make you a little Christ who can sit at Easter gathering with someone who's not really appreciating and not really give it a thought because you are now incredibleized Let's pray Lord Jesus, thank you for being incredible for us, but also thank you for giving us an incredible supper and an incredible example and also an incredible power to forgive. We cannot forgive by ourselves. We like to keep score, we like to keep track, and we like to be hurt. But tonight we ask you to make us incredible people. Levitate us, just like Violet, above our problems and above our sin and our guilt and other people's guilt. And help us to write on everybody's ticket paid in full and to forgive everybody. That really is incredible, Jesus. And that's what it means to us to celebrate Maundy Thursday. Amen. (laughs)